This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Welcome back to Sunday Morning Magazine. It's part two of our two-part series on parenting a child with a chronic illness. In the studio with me now, we're joined by Vera Gussie. We're also joined by Meredith Bohachi. They're with the Complex Care Center at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital Medical Center. They're here this morning to help us navigate insurance options. It's our pleasure to welcome Meredith and Vera to Sunday Morning Magazine. Hi. Thank you for having us. No problem. No problem. First of all, tell us about your roles at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital. So we're both social work care managers at the Complex Care Center at Children's Hospital. Um, So basically our role is to help families with medically complex children navigate the system, um, both in and outside of the hospital. Um, We work alongside nurse care managers, dietitians, triage nursing and providers, um, and we work as a team to try and make their lives a little bit easier because they do have um, a lot of resources out there. It's just very difficult to navigate that. So when you have parents and they come in and you meet with them for the first time, how aware are most parents of their insurance options? I would say a lot of them are very overwhelmed with all of the different options and not really sure where to even start. Um, For example, we could have um, families that have private insurance but also still be able to get Medicaid um, underneath that, but they're not really sure how to work that process. So I think for the most part, even the most organized families are really overwhelmed and not really sure where to start. Okay. And so, Vera, when you work with the parents and it's the first time you're working with them, what are some of their initial concerns that parents have when you initially meet them? What are their concerns? I think they're really trying to find out how to fit their child's chronic illness into their life so their family still works, so they can still earn an income, maintain a household, not just out-of-pocket medical expenses, but who's going to help them, who's going to be their support system. It's globally overwhelming to them. And so that's a really good point because when you're working with these parents and it's the first time, you know, insurance is one issue, but then to understand that you're coming to terms with your child has this chronic illness, so then how do you work with the parents? Because initially, I'm sure, they're not thinking about the insurance. They're thinking about the health of their child. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, a lot of our families aren't even sure how they're going to sleep at night because they're the primary caregiver. So they don't know, you know, how they're going to go to the grocery store, how they're going to take a shower. And they do feel like a lot of people might not understand or be able to help them because they just, there's nobody out there that that knows their situation like they do. Okay. And so what do you then say to those parents? So, I mean, I think we start by making sure that all of the supports that we are aware of are in place. Mm -hmm. So all of the community supports, um, all of the supports through insurance, we do try to connect them with support groups if we're aware of any that um, might fit their needs. And we're their accountable point of contact, so we're just kind of their go-to person if they don't really know where where to turn. So let's talk about where to turn. So let's take it from a a case scenario. Let's say you get a new family. They walk in the door. It's your first time meeting them. Their child has been diagnosed with a chronic illness. How do you help them? What's your first step? So our first step is um, we have an assessment that we do. So we find out their um, psychosocial history, what their current priorities are as far as um, what barriers they have that they need to overcome. So equipment in the home or home modification issues or 
um, financial issues, we find out their priorities first, and then we kind of break it down and just try and make it easier one step at a time. Most of the patients and families that we work with have chronic illness, but it's also very complex and across multi-systems. Waivers are a big question, and people usually want to know about those. It's a very complicated system. And uh, usually at the first visit, we try to give them a general idea of what those are and try to start helping them try to access a waiver. A waiver would get a family Medicaid that is over income for Medicaid. Okay, so let's talk about some of those options. So how do you work with families? Quite naturally, I would think once you get them into the office and you find out what insurance they have, and then you discover, okay, your insurance will not cover this or will not cover that. How did those options then come into play? How do you work with families for the additional insurance options? So usually, um, say they have just private insurance through their employer. We then look to see if they qualify for um, Department of Disabilities or DDS services. Through DDS, they can try to get a waiver, and with waivers come Medicaid. So then Medicaid would go under your primary insurance, and then there's also the option of BCMH or Bureau for Children with Medical Handicaps, which is another secondary insurance that that they might qualify for. For BCMH, we we know the diagnoses that are BCMH eligible, and the application actually gets done by your medical provider. So we would start the application process for BCMH. Okay. And so you know pretty much when they come in the door, this is what we have to work with. I know kind of what insurance will work, secondary, and what will not. So explain to us, again, help me to understand and take this in because, you know, this is a lot for me to try to understand as well. But when we talk about secondary insurances, what does that mean? So essentially, the secondary insurance is picking up the cost of things that your primary insurance did not. So you would go through the primary insurance first. If that gets denied, that's when your secondary insurance comes into play. And in case you're just tuning in, it's part two of our two-part series on parenting a child with a chronic illness. In the studio with me, we're speaking to Vera Gussie. We're also speaking to Meredith Bohatchie. They're both with the Complex Care Center at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital Medical Center. Now let's talk about SSDI and SSI. Explain to us what those are. Yeah, so SSDI you would have to have earned work credits to be eligible for, but um, if a child's disability is affecting their parents' ability to earn income, then they can always apply for SSI for their child. They have to be uh, qualified based off their disability, and there are some financial stipulations on that, too. A lot of our families end up being over income for SSI for their child. Is this money used for medical bills or just daily living? Typically, our families use it for daily living. SSI requires them to every so often turn in a report with for what you're spending it on, but rent, utilities, food, clothing are all acceptable. So let me ask you ladies this. So in America at this date and time, how is our health care system? Is it one of those things where, you know, either you have the finances to pay for care or your child goes without care? Cincinnati Children's has financial assistance options, too, so you would never be denied care at the hospital. But helping families get the care that they need to support their child in the community, I, I do see families go without that support because they don't um, – either their child's on a waiting list for a waiver or their child doesn't meet the criteria for an Ohio home care waiver, which is the most – you'd have to have the highest skilled level of care to be eligible for that waiver. So, Meredith, you touched on this, and Vera, you alluded to this as well, but you talked about when you get this diagnosis as a parent, 
Sometimes you don't know if you'll be able to even go back to work. Do you work with families with the Family Medical Leave Act? Um, so sometimes, yes, we would we would do that if they would qualify for the, the Medical Leave Act. We would work um, with our nursing staff to help fill out those forms and see if they qualify. We would also try to see if potentially they qualify for private duty nursing in the home that would allow the family to go to work, but that is challenging and that's an ongoing chronic issue across the board. I think for FMLA, the thing that I wasn't really familiar with until I started working this working in this field is that um, your employer has to be a certain size for you to be eligible to get it, and then you have to work there for a certain amount of time to be eligible to get it. So even if you are able to get FMLA, your employer has to give you that time off, but you don't have to be paid for it. That's an extra thing. But if we come across a family that is ineligible for FMLA for some reason. We still try to like provide letters to their employer, describe the circumstance, ask for leniency, things like that. Okay. And so I would imagine, and we talked about this being America, but sometimes, you know, you get the diagnosis, you find out all you need to about the insurances, but then, you know, there's still some cost and sometimes coming out of your pocket and then parents become overwhelmed financially overwhelmed. What advice or what do you say to parents there? So, yes, that's a definitely an issue that we see all the time with our families. I mean, we have financial advocates at the hospital that can help with some of the financial concerns. We work with families on grants too, helping them apply for grants for certain costs. And then again, we also try to connect them with like DDS services because they also sometimes have some financial assistance too. Um, what about financial counselors? Is that something that families can look into? Is that helpful at all? We partner with them a lot. I mean, their knowledge base of the insurance uh, system and especially the grants that are available and which ones you can apply for to cover, you know, past hospital bills that have been left unpaid or which ones that you could apply for that would help you get the equipment that your insurance isn't covering. The financial advocates at Children's are experts at that. And so how do you get in contact with a financial counselor? The information is on the children's website. Um, their direct number is on there. Um, any social worker at Children's Hospital can also give them that information as well. The direct number to financial counseling is 636-4427. The financial counselors can help people with their current debt, but then there's also family financial advocates that will take it a level higher and try to help families connect with those waivers and those other grant programs. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. This morning is part two of our two-part series on parenting a child with a chronic illness. For more information on the show, you can go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there. You can also join the conversation there as well. You can also listen to the show anytime you like. Just head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. In the studio with me, we're talking to Vera Gussie. We're also speaking to Meredith Bohatchie. They are both with Children's Hospital. They're here this morning to talk about financial issues related to parenting a child with a chronic illness. Now, what's the best way for parents to stay organized when it comes to, you know, all this health care information? You know, you have paperwork, you have medicines, you have therapy, you have appointments, you have doctor's visits. How do you keep it all together? Children's Hospital does have something called MyChart, which a lot of it is is organized online. Um, a lot, Some of our families use binders or notebooks as well. And for those families in complex care that do have care management, we also can help organize that for them. MyChart, I mean, you can see all your appointments there. All your You get your lab results off MyChart. You can either download the app on your phone or you can just access it from the Internet. 
Okay, so let's talk about what's available locally in our community. What resources are available for financial assistance? We talked a little bit about that, but what's local here that parents should be aware of? There's lots of different resources out there. I think the best place to go to start would be to the Special Needs Resource Directory. Um, You can Google that. It's online. It has information about everything. Um, But primarily, we... The Department of Developmental Disabilities is um, a partner that we work with all the time, and there's funding there. And then there's Pages Princess is local, Building Blocks for Kids is local. Vivian's Victory is another one that we use a lot. Okay, and these are all local organizations that give financial assistance to parents and children with disabilities and chronic illnesses, right? Correct. Okay, good. Yeah, I would just get connected to as many people as I can. I think that the... The systems are so layered and so complicated that each person you go to might know something new or different. Um, We learn a lot of stuff from the families that we work with, and we're able to pass that along to other families. Let's talk more about some of the resources that are available. We talked about financial resources, but you talked about, both of you said, how important it is to have someone to connect with. Let's talk about some of those community networks and resources that are available to our parents that are listening. So for families that have children that are inpatient at Children's Hospital, we do have inpatient support groups that anyone is welcome to. We also have sibling support groups through Children's Hospital, um, one of which is called Sib Shops. They're like one-day programs where um, I think it's up to 12 years old. They can go um, and connect and support one another. And then we also have something called boot camps that give information on important topics such as school or guardianship or social security questions, things like that. The um, ARC of Ohio has a Facebook page and you can like it and there'll be different discussions on like waivers or how the waiting list for the waivers is changing, things like that. And there's a online resource through children called Special Connections and it's a, it's a chat room and people go on there and share information with each other. Yeah, and I would encourage families to go into the Family Resource Center, too. They can always ask for um, resources there that's uh, the actual all the time. brick-and-mortar place? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, and it's on the campus? Yes, uh-huh. on the main campus. Of Cincinnati's Children's Correct. Hospital. Yes. So let's go back to payment. Again, a lot of times parents are overwhelmed, but is there a way for parents to negotiate payments and work with their insurance companies to make payment arrangements if they can't? you know, right away pay for whatever insurance won't cover? If it's a amount owned to Cincinnati Children's, I would start with calling financial counseling. Um, they'll work with you on a payment plan. And then if that doesn't work, then they'll pass you along to the family financial advocates to try those grant options. A lot of times when we talk about chronic illnesses, young people are diagnosed, diagnosed as children, but then the chronic illness continues until adulthood. Um, how does that picture then become financial? How do you then look at that picture? Because it's outside of the scope of maybe children's hospital or what, uh, what have you, but this is something that they're going to grow with. Is that right? Yeah. And that's a, a big topic of discussion at the complex care center lately, because we have seen a lot of our children grow older and not really know where to turn once they reach um, 22, which is how, when they would have to leave to go to adult care. Um, so we do, we're starting that transition discussion early and we ourselves are trying to do research on that too. 
All right, we covered a lot this morning. I'm sure people have many questions. If our listeners have questions or if they would like to find out more, what resources are available online, you touched on some of them, but let's go over that information again. If our listeners have more questions, uh, more concerns than we're able to cover here. They can always go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine, and I'll have additional resources there. But what are some other resources that are available? There's always the Special Needs Resource Directory, as we discussed earlier. That has a lot of the information that we covered today all organized. Um, So I would recommend that people check that out. Also, you can email questions to the Resource Directory, and the email address is on the webpage. All right. Well, ladies, we're out of time this morning. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so so much. much. Stick around. We'll be back with more Sunday Morning Magazine in a moment.